Hey yo, this is Alan Girding. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just me. I've got no SBJ. I've got no Sean. I don't even have Justin. I don't have the B Squad. You just have me. Or do you? Because this is the second part of the Tuesday Night Podcast Holiday Spectacular. In this episode, you're going to get the first half, as weird as that is, because I already gave you the second half, first half of the Star Wars Force Awakens discussion, where I sat down with Jeremiah Isley of Theology of Games. And you know what? I'll apologize. It sounds like I'm eating the mic on this one because I don't have SBJ's magical editing powers. Let's just, uh, yeah. I done talking now. Now on to Star Wars talkie. Hey, I'm Alan Girding. And I happen to be Jeremiah Isley. We're doing a Star Wars Spectacular. It's a special holiday thing, but it's not the holiday special. The Star Wars Holiday Special, sponsored by General Motors. Right. Not to be confused. Because our plan is, we're going to put this on the Tuesday Night Podcast, and possibly... The Theology of Games Podcast. Yeah! So we should start off with why we should give a crap about each other. So, Jeremiah, why, yes. why, wh- who are you? Who, who, am, yeah. who am I? Yeah. Do you know who I am? Do you even know who I No. Hey, uh, I'm Jeremiah. I am the co-founder, co-big cheese co-mastermind behind theologyofgames.com. We're a gaming blog. We also do a podcast and we occasionally YouTube and Periscope. We're all over the internet and uh, we do a lot of gaming reviews and interviews and news and all that kind of stuff about board games and tabletop games, all those kind of geeky things. So that's a little bit about me. What about you, Alan? Whoa, 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 wait. I want to know why Theology of Games is better than any of the other review sites or reviewers out there. What makes you guys different? Uh, Because because I write for it. No, uh, <laughs> uh, we are, you may have guessed from the title Theology of Games, uh, we are a, a faith-based blog, I guess you would say. Scott, my partner who lives out in Colorado and co-writes with me, he and I both met through a youth ministry conference. For years, I was a youth pastor and he worked for a publishing company that produced uh, resources for a uh, for youth ministry and, and people who are involved in that. And so we look at gaming and in this culture sort of through that lens. We don't necessarily shove all of our beliefs down your throat when you're reading our site, but definitely when things push back against the things that we believe in and and our faith, we we kind of put a light on that and say, hey, here's what we felt, here's what we thought. This is this might give you pause if you if your thoughts and your beliefs align with ours. Uh, So that's what kind of I guess separates us from most of the crowd. Gotcha. You got that little spin. No, when I heard Theology of Games, I thought you guys were the mythology guys. So you're going to talk a lot about Zeus and hair and yeah. things. No, I was I was wrong. No, I totally agree. I enjoy your site. And I will admit, uh, you're one of my good friends. Yes. I love spending time with you. You're 
on the top of the list as far as people with whom I like to play games. Yet, I'm not Christian, so hopefully that doesn't kill your listeners right then and there. <laughs> so it's interesting because we're different, but I think we also have very similar core beliefs in a way. With Yeah, we've, I, had, we've had a conversation about that in depth, just personally. We, we have had in-depth de- in conversations. Late nights. Yes, you know, and I was paying for it the next day, but it's always good to have those conversations. And you know, yeah, I, I think we... I'm paying for it right now because right. I wanted to do this recording last night after we had just gotten back from Star Wars, but yeah. you wanted to be responsible and go to sleep. And- if I had not already been in bed when I got that message, I may have actually tried to make it happen, but here we are. It's still just now. It's 9.23 a.m. Right about now, the movie was starting yeah. 12 hours ago. So this so, is 12 hours stale. It's. I think that's pretty fresh. But hey, look at the optimist versus the pessimist. <laughs> look at that already. So, Alan, tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners who may be listening on Theology of Games uh, podcast. I at was this moment. so excited about Star Wars: The Force Awakens that I <laughs> didn't go to bed until almost four in the morning. Oh so my gosh. I woke up to your phone call saying, "Are we doing this?" <laughs> like, "Oh well, yeah, yeah, you want a podcast?" Uh, I'm I'm in your driveway. Oh, so I got to open the door in my underwear. But I... Yeah, thanks for that. No problem. I am co-founder of Tuesday Night Games. We are famous in a very loose term. <laughs> I guess we should, we're known for two rooms in a boom. And upcoming at the time of this recording of World Championship Russian Roulette by Anthony Birch. So that's who I am. We also run Tuesday Night Podcast. And we're just guys who like the gaming industry. We don't really do reviews. No, I make games. I'm basically game designer. Designer. If I were to make a resume, game designer would be there. So even though I only have one official game published, my name is in a whole bunch of cardboard as a developer, as a designer for other games, and a whole bunch of upcoming ones. So uh, my business partner is Sean McCoy. Love him to death. We have a whole <laughs> bunch of games, and we got a lot of exciting in the pipeline, but we work hard at going at the pace that we can go with together. Yeah, I think uh, if... You are a listener of Theology of Games podcast. You know a thing or two about two, uh, two Rooms and a Boom because I talk about it quite a bit. Um, it's really, it's probably my favorite party game, especially for large groups. I've gotten to know Alan, like we just talked about a little bit ago, really well over the past, I don't know, what, two years now? Is it two years? I think it's two years. Yeah, I've played a lot of your other games and I feel privileged to be able to say that because most of them are really, really fun. And most of the other ones are on their way to being really, really fun. So Yeah, because a lot are still in development. Good point. Because you help me play test a lot of these things too. I do. In Even fact, though you don't put me on the box. Uh, what You're not on the... Oh. That's, well, that's another story. Well, I mean, f- to be fair, Two Rooms and a Boom, you didn't play until it was fully developed. Uh, to be fair. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but you did email me for a quote on the box. That's true. That, that didn't make it. The box. That didn't make the box. I'm not I thought, upset about that at all. If I could piss someone off and get away with it, who can I piss? <laughs> Jeremiah. He'll, he'll still talk to me He'll afterwards. still talk yeah. to me if we leave the quote. No, we, it was honestly not enough room on the no, box I, for for the quote. not as important as me. Well, yeah, we went by listeners. Actually, we'll yell at Sean for that. But what's our anniversary? We met at the Extra Life. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, like November 1 of 2013. Probably right. Yeah, we should Somewhere celebrate there. an anniversary at some point. That might be a little creepy, but we'll go Come with on. it. Come on. Let's do a little bromance. <laughs> don't tell my, my wife. Right. We'll be all right. Anyway. But speaking of anniversaries and 
getting to know each other and new friends and special events special events let's let's get to the topic on hand shall we probably have to pay john williams money for that now you know what uh that's the one thing i don't think my podcast is enough listeners for me to worry about just stealing that and throwing (laughs) it in uh Uh, well yeah yeah okay yeah we'll we'll see what happens because I don't know that that has to be a whole army of lawyers to find well, my it's Disney podcast. now. Oh, see, I think before when it was just Lucas, he was totally cool with people using stuff from you know totally infringing on the copyright of Star Wars to create this world of fandom. But I think at this point, with Disney involved, that might be getting clamped down a bit. So, speaking of changes, proceed with caution. Yeah, let's talk about. Force Awakens, we just watched it, but a lot of people were upset even before the movie was released because they made a list of what was actual canon for the Star Wars universe. Yes. So what they took out were all of the books. All the books. Except for the two, the handful of ones that have been released since then, but all of them, including throwing out Grand Admiral Thrawn, which was the the trilogy that Timothy Zahn wrote that basically would have been episodes seven, eight, and nine. Right. Which are being replaced by these movies. It is my recollection, and you can probably correct me on this if I'm wrong. I got the big list because I read Star Wars Aftermath. Yes. In Star Wars Aftermath, in the book, it lists what's actual canon. Okay. I have the audiobook, so I didn't get that list. Okay. So the the list is obviously episodes four, five, and six. Right. Oh, one, man. two, and three. Yeah. And one, two, and three. I was going to say, they did include one, two, and three. So Unfortunately. So that's in that's there. been included. Well, we can talk about that a little bit, too, if we want. <laughs> it depends how long we want this podcast to be. We should have decided that before we started recording. That's yeah, indeterminate. The Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons the cartoon series, right? are canon. Yes. Uh which I is be- a shame because I didn't like that last season. It's interesting because I try to get into it, and this is blasphemy for a lot of people. Uh-huh. It is definitely a kid's show. It is. And I was watching on Netflix. I would fall asleep to some episodes, and there's definitely a lot of episodes that aren't necessarily necessary, if you know what I mean. Like, nothing yes. really happens Yes, in so they don't really move the story along. You're right. Here's, here's what's up with that series. The As you progress through those, those seasons... Season one is very light. There are a lot of those fluffy kind of episodes. But then as you get to maybe season three, it really starts to take some dark turns and it becomes a much more serious series. It is... uh, It ages as the audience does. It ages as the audience does. However, the last season was the season that Netflix produced because Cartoon Network dropped the series. They canceled it. And it ends with like Yoda going to... Plot spoilers? Am I going to spoil this for you? Plot spoiler warning for the cartoon. He like, he goes away. Like It's like him going away before we find him on Dagobah and Empire. But there's like these five ghosts of the Force and all these... I don't know. It was really weird. But it's canon. They were trying to make the Force... I think they were trying to make the Force mysterious again. Right. Because George Lucas because everyone at the bed with SPJ's neighbor's pet dog had the force in right. episodes one, two, and three. Right. Who didn't have the force, really? I mean, my midichlorian count, I sent my blood away to get that tested. Didn't right. you? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I just, I felt like they did a poor job of it. And I was, I was kind of saddened that it's canon, but gotcha. I'll leave it at that. So in order, there's episodes 
one, two, the Clone Wars, Clone Wars cartoon series, episode three, three, four, five, six. Yes, the aftermath. Aftermath is mm-hmm. the book I read, which is interesting because the author admitted, and I think in a preface that doesn't know the story of Force Awakens, so they didn't even say here's everything that's where you have to get to. Here's where you right. have to get to. Instead, it was almost like the first season of Star Wars Clone Wars, yeah. where it was just a self-contained story. Yep. It has its own unique characters, but it was still really cool in my opinion that it had the background of the aftermath of the second death star yeah blowing up and that the empire is crumbling and there are right. still people following it but there was this you know the rebellion was growing and becoming more and more back to the original right um, the, they were calling republic. it the new republic exactly yeah. the other book that's part of canon now is called lost stars and it's actually it's before after aftermath it kind of how takes- come i've never heard of this it just came out i'm i'm maybe a quarter of the way through the audiobook i listen to books a lot because i don't like to read it takes too much time uh, <laughs> and i can't read while i'm driving hence my car. why we are talking about this instead of writing about exactly this. exactly but no it uh takes place sort of parallel to the original trilogy where the empire is rising to power and there's these two friends from this distant planet who uh, are accepted to the Imperial Academy and it's their story of going through the Imperial Academy and stuff starts happening and we're just to the point where things are starting to happen so I don't know where it's going from there uh, so that is also canon but it's a little more young adultish it's then even aftermath yeah it's not Whoa. it's very it's almost a, a teen age kind of hardy boys like a type little bit of... of romance that's starting to bud and uh, I don't know. The really- what was your opinion on Aftermath? Since you're the reviewer guy, it was. I've got opinions on that. There's such a hot topic in that book too that I don't know that we want to get into. Oh yeah, that's a topic that you and I have talked about. It is. We have. Here's what to- I'll say about Aftermath. Uh, I thought the story was fun enough, and it was kind of cool to see more immediately after Episode Six, after Jedi. Right. So I like the that. highlights. Definitely were that. Some people were sad that the Empire was crumbling because they liked the reliability and consistency. Yes, and then there was this this contingent of the Empire that was scrambling to keep things together and rebuild it. And uh, it all revolves around that meeting that's Best parts of the book. Yes, so that was all very cool. Mm -hmm. So I liked it for that. I felt it didn't necessarily feel like a Star Wars story to me. Here's what I will say. We already talked about the best parts. Worst parts, and hopefully this isn't a plot spoiler enough, because I, I probably don't want to plot spoil this one. Uh, yeah, it's been out a long time, though. Okay. Been long enough. Well, I think we can. I like the robot, Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones, yes. I did like the robot. Fun. He was fun. And I liked how they poked fun at the battle droids. Exactly. So, Mr. Bones <clears throat> is a refurbished battle droid from the... From episodes one and two and right. maybe a what little you, bit what, what is that called? The trade wars? What would you call that? Because uh, it's not the Clone Wars well, yet. It was the clones against the droid. So I guess it is from the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. everybody knows what we're talking about. Right. But it's refurbished to be a bad, 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 a bad. bad mamma jamma. Yeah, bad mamma jamma. Yeah, he's got uh, one of the characters is like a, a scrapper, like a scavenger. So he finds this thing. He reprograms it. He tricks it out with, 
these clattering bones that he's like attached to it so it's like this kind of spooky scary thing and it's got this whirring voice that's kind of supposed to be haunting and whatnot thought that was really cool very cool character you know i'm not sure if i should bring it back up because it's a hot topic but the moment you're talking about is one character says to another a female character to a male character says the man says i've got a question for you and she says yes like wait what are you talking about you don't even know my question she (laughs) says i will breed with you or i will mate with you you are suitable for mating you're suitable for mating and he says oh that wasn't my question because i don't swing that way basically right informing her of his sexual orientation i'm not into that and she goes aliens and because they're not even the same species right he goes no men or women and she's like oh and then that's all they say about it right and then they go on from there i thought it was an interesting injection of diversity right. that they put in there without celebrating it or downplaying it. It was just one of these things where it was there, it was said, it was kind of a joke in a uh-huh. way. That they this... kind of joked with each other a little bit after it just for a, a, a moment or a two. Moment. It yeah. was literally just in a page yeah. or two. But it was one of these things that was like, yeah, so don't worry about we're not going there in right. this story right so uh was it necessary probably not probably about, not it was definitely for comedic thing and for diversity so here here was my take on that because i've thought a lot about it and i you know there's some people that went off and, oh my gosh blah, 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 you know just totally flipped out about it here's why i didn't like it and okay I didn't necessarily like it because when that happened, it immediately brought up in my mind every snarky Facebook post, every combative Facebook post, all of the tension of the world that I currently live in was brought to the forefront of my mind during a Star Wars story. It was a political, it was a a timely, it was a, it was a very... If it was written 20 years from now or 20 years in the past, that probably wouldn't be It wouldn't be in have there. been a thing. Right. And one, well, I also feel like it was really forced and it didn't necessarily lend itself to the deepening of the character. But I go to the Star Wars galaxy to get away from all from of that. From everyday escapism. I want to have escapism. fun. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to think about political things or people getting up tight about stuff. So to me, it was like you just kind of tainted the water of Star Wars with something that was completely pushing some agenda or whatever you want to say. Don't do that with Star Wars. Don't cheapen Star Wars that way. That was my take. Gotcha. My take was on the other end, not so much that I was celebrating as in like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my take was, oh, that was funny. I I didn't spend too much time thinking or dwelling on it at all. I was too into the story. I was too busy yeah. turning pages to really even dissect it too much. Right. But I will I will disagree with you a bit. I did think it added a little bit of the character development because that question was in the back of my mind. Oh, yeah. I like the interplay between these two characters. I can totally see an entire series just with these two characters. Sure. And that kind of adds to it because now that's off the table. Right. And I thought it was funny that it was totally on the table for her. And then he's like, oh, what? So I I appreciated appreciated that moment as a comedic beat, but also Mm -hmm. as a statement of, hey, if you're going to continue to enjoy these two characters, you can't think about it them in this context because that's off the table. Right. Been removed. But let me go back to my other thoughts of Aftermath. And here is a little bit plot spoiler again. We've already spoiled a lot, I guess. (laughs) Actually, not really. We haven't actually talked about the story. No. But this one is a bit spoiler. I'll say this at first. George R.R. Martin and Game of Thrones, this book is not. 
because if you yeah. know Game of Thrones, what really stands out with George R. R. Martin's approach to characters in Game of Thrones? Do you want to answer that? You can go ahead. Okay, because I'm not sure you're paying. I'm not your... big. I'm not big like really deep into, into Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones so... that kind of thing. I yeah. can I can see that because it's it's a whole bunch of sex and violence, and it's <laughs> definitely yeah. So it's right up your alley. <laughs> there you go. He kills off his characters, and one of the frustrating things was, oh, this is a book for kids because no characters, nobody's dying, no one's dying. On uh, none of the protagonists are dying. Right, right. There's plenty of death, and there were a lot of moments where you're like, oh. And that pisses me off because... And then... Oh! oh. And they do that like three friggin' times. With like the same character even. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Like, ah, just frustrating. Like, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Ugh. I remember listening. I'm like, oh, maybe she really is gone. And then... I just like, assumed she was gone because... Minutes later, oh... She's at some hospital or whatever right. it was. It'd it's be, a cheap yeah. tactic to say, like, this person's dead and have that emotional moment. Like pull you in. Pull then, you in. Like, oh. let's mourn. And right. the stakes are high and the stakes are real. Oh, but wait, this character's not dead. And you're like, yeah. oh, that was cheap. Right. Number two, the stakes aren't high. Because I'm thinking these characters are invincible now. That's true. Yeah. Here's the one thing about George R. R. Martin. He said in an interview, when did you know you were going to kill off basically what was the main character in the first book? And he said, right away. Because his big complaint about most stories in this melodrama society that we're in right now, and melodrama being good guys win at the end, it's not opera, it's not tragedy, is good guys win. He said he needed to make sure then, well, who would be the main character then? Well, he knew he had to kill this person too. So basically, (laughs) once people start to get comfortable and say, oh, this isn't a real world, I can trust that this person is too important to die, George R. R. Martin says, we got to kill him. Yeah. Because then the stakes are low. In fact, a lot of people argue the worst thing you could ever kill in any storyline is death itself. Because without that, you just can sit back and relax and always know how the story's going to end. Well, and there's something to be said for that jarring moment of the protagonist or the hero dying. Hitchcock did that with Psycho. It was when, brilliant. When the only character you whose point of view you saw was killed. At the end of the first act. Right. Everybody was like, whoa. We just spent 40 minutes getting to know this person. Yeah. So it it really is brilliant storytelling. That was really upsetting. And then when they did it again, I was thinking, all right, come on, come on. Because right. the second time it got me a little bit like, oh, wait. Oh, there, yeah. Well, no. Maybe maybe they're going to fix the mistake that, no. Yeah, they pulled a Chuck Testa. Yeah, what's nope. a Chuck Testa? Is that- you know, nope. Chuck oh, Testa. yes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Anyway. You probably thought this deer was alive. And this coyote was alive. And this pheasant was alive. Nope. They're not. They're dead. They've been taxidermized by Chuck Testa. Ojai Valley Taxidermy. Hey, but we're, we're, we're board gamers. We so, are. So before we dive into Force Awakens, we're already like 20 minutes. Which I'm minutes. really like chomping at the bit to get at. Yeah, me too. So, me too. We'll, we'll get there. All right. But just to make it do our audience justice, Star Wars games. There's a lot of them. There are. Have we, you played any? We pulled up the, a list here right before we got started, and 
I feel like it's been truncated. Like there's more. Yeah. We could only find topless. I we didn't look really hard, but we were looking for yeah complete list of Star Wars games. So there's so many. There's so throughout many. all of the years, it's ridiculous. The the problem with the top list games that are on this list are they're really expensive. Like Armada, it says that it's seventy dollars here, but it's like a hundred dollars. Let's just mm. be honest. Armada, Imperial Assault. Yeah, because Armada is the big fleet battles, yes. and then x-wing is a smaller where you have the individual it's more of a ships. dog fight and then right. imperial assault is minis so it's more of a imperial assault is descent in star wars skin right uh mashed together but i hear really good things about imperial assault i want to get my mitts on that uh, i've heard amazing things about it so those three games i've only played x-wing and let me tell you x-wing is fantastic i always say we me and my friends always played pirates the constructible strategy game where it's the little ships that you punch out of the cards and you build them and then out of print now Yes, long out of print. Pretty. It's but a gorgeous it's, game. It's a great game. It's so fun. If they had the movement mechanics of X-Wing, that game would still be in print. Because X-Wing, the way you move and the way you strategize is so amazing. It's so fun. I really like X-Wing a lot. The problem with X-Wing is the same problem with Imperial Assault and the same problem with, I'm assuming, Armada. Although I don't know for sure, so don't quote me on this, is it's a money sink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> gotta buy the ships. Releasing you gotta all buy these in. Ships. They release all these troops. Oops. Uh, it's. I mean, that's how they make their money. I understand that, but it's really, really hard to stay up on all of it. I'm really curious about Imperial Assault because I'm a Descent fan, because I'm a Hero Quest fan. That's how I yeah. got into board gaming. And Descent is the mod, most modern version of Hero Quest today. But there was some little clunkiness to Descent that I didn't sure. really like. You had to get the special expansions to make it campaign. But from what I hear, Imperial Assault is Star Wars Descent, but okay. simplified, fixed. Mm -hmm. And right out of the gate, it's campaign. Nice. Yes. That's good. Yeah, so you're leveling up, you're doing different things. Yeah, I so. definitely want to get my hands on that. But as far as other games, card games, I mean, just throughout the years of Star Wars oh, and yeah. games, there's the collectible card game has had a couple iterations. Yeah, that went through a couple editions, and I actually still have boxes and boxes of that in my basement at home. I've I, heard good things, and I played it once, but so long ago, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I don't feel like I could even comment on it. I played it a few times. A huge collection of it came to me. I've just kind of been holding on to it because it's star wars i'm like someday it's gonna be worth a lot of money so maybe i'll sell it on ebay right uh, i also played the living card game which is by fantasy flight yeah i have not yet played the balance of the force expansion which allows you to play two to three light side players against one dark side player i've played it one light side player against one dark side player and if you're the light side player you just get ready to die because <laughs> there's no way you're winning the dark side is way too powerful um so yes, in, in my opinion it was a little broken out of the gate but i remember they kept delaying that game forever so i think they kind of were like all right let's just get it out and then we'll fix it with that expansion i like the living card games but it's probably not the best one out there. if memory serves me correct and it often doesn't so i'd have to check this out because we're coming in here pretty unprepared and that was kind of the beauty of what we're doing right now right. is we wanted to get in here fresh, fresh and talk about Star Wars because it's the big thing. So forgive me. I know that's a pet peeve because we're a podcast. We should look this up. But I think the living card game is based on the collectible card game. And it's one of those classic transformed into a living card game from the collectible card game. It, it does have similar 
mechanical aspects. I would say that. Okay, but it's but not just an obvious. This is the same. It doesn't. Game. Okay. Cool. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the collectible card game well enough to say that for sure. But it's not. It doesn't seem super gotcha. obvious. It's kind of like 3D movies. You can tell when a movie was made originally for 3D, and when they went back and made and it added, 3D. Right. Same thing with like the living card game for the Game of Thrones living card game. It is the collectible card yeah. game, yeah. except they tell you which cards to use, and you can buy. Right. It, that's it's kind of. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> it has that feeling of mm, this is an original. But Lord of the Rings living card game was made for as a living card game. Exactly. And it is fantastic. Amazing. It's my favorite of them all. Right. And I've played several. We should get into this. We've done our service. Yes. We've talked about canon. Talked um, about board games. So at this point, we're going to go into plot spoiler-rific. Yeah. So if you have not seen the movie, which at this point, why? If you're listening to this, you've seen, you've the, seen movie. the movie. So just be ready because there are things that we're going to say that are probably going to spoil things for you. Right. Right. And maybe we'll just kind of warm up. We'll start with generals, generalities, okay. and then go to specifics. For instance, in general, what'd you think? Thumbs up? Up, thumbs down uh big thumbs up i thought this is the movie let me let me just blow your mind for a minute Keep think on going. if episodes one two and three were done at the same quality storytelling character development and production value as episode seven that was actually something that was almost upsetting was right as i'm watching i'm thinking freaking prequels i had i kept getting images of like jar jar being stepping in poop that was one of my big things and completely not a single zapping his face so he's right and not a single real life clone troopers in episode two like they were all cgi i just kept getting i'm like what was what were they thinking why who thought that was a good idea yeah so the main thing that i really love because i agree big thumbs up yeah the humor. The humor was back because my father really hates episodes two and especially episode three because he said, there's no humor. And when right. I go back and I watch episodes four, five, and even six. The but zingers it, are there. They're there and it's character humor. Yes. It's not immature slapstick humor. It's situational character driven humor. And in fact, some of it's improv. Like one of the funniest, most memorable lines was from episode five. I love you. I know. <laughs> but i'm talking about the movie uh, oh Jeremiah. yeah yeah well no, yeah okay. all right i was quoting the movie so right, anyways right. hilarious right and unforgettable and that was improv by harrison ford because he thought han solo wouldn't say i love you too which was right. in the original script but amazing things like that and as a kid i thought c3po was annoying as an adult yeah he's a poindexter Mm -hmm. but he's amazing and so my wife hasn't watched the movies original and so i I got the blu-ray collection yeah and she watched episode four and here we are laughing as adults in our 30s at (laughs) c3po and r2d2's interaction right it's good stuff but then you go to episode one stepping in poop defeating droids the one amazing thing for the prequels that i did was reading the theory that jar jar binks is actually the mastermind behind it all right and it adds a bit of appreciation and someone really went to great lengths to actually make this believable where they did it should be made canon it should make that palatable exactly good word won't be yeah, yeah. I was going to say that too, but I, I can't pronounce it. Or pal- palpable. Palatable? Palatinable? Pal- pal- Palpatinable? Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So no the humor there. was great. And the other thing I loved, so big thumbs up, was yeah. it allowed moments to simmer. I imagine mm-hmm. episodes one, two, and three was people like special effects. People like lightsaber battles. People like... People like stu- big shiny cities that right. are entirely made of the planet. They and- like sound effects. They like this. Let's do that. And so there are... And let's just cut to a scene of somebody st- walking up to each other and then talking and then cutting away. What? Right. <laughs> but this one had genuine, believable moments. It let itself oh, yeah. simmer. There were so many... And there were many good moments. Yeah. Moments where it was... a dialogue between two individuals but even the lack of dialogue was great because they had genuine not they didn't belabor it wasn't like why are we looking at these two people look at each other there were reaction there was we were there it was human yeah it was believable let me ask you this yeah a friend of mine who i was with thought maybe a bit of a downside was there was a ton of information thrown at us very very quickly you had to catch up on everything that had happened and where we were and who was who and what was what. Did you did you have that feeling? I, I was never overwhelmed. I was I never overwhelmed. I didn't necessarily have that feeling, but I, I could understand a little bit of what he was saying. Like, wow, there's a ton of new characters. Who's that? Why is he this person? And, but I, I don't know that I, I felt that as much. No, I definitely didn't, in fact, that added to it because, for instance, here's like our first real bit of plot spoiler. Yeah. When it came up to Rey, she has a past where her family was taken away from her. They didn't go into details as to why her family was taken away. You don't know exactly why she thought they were coming back. You don't even know why she's so in tune with the Force. But that added to it to me because I'm like, man, I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah, absolutely. And I never thought it was deus ex machina where someone came down and explained, this is what's happening and you should know this. It was never right. like that. Instead, right. it was it had that maturity where it didn't spoon feed us. Uh-huh. We were there. And in a way, we were Finn and we were Ray. Yes. Both of them were great because the beauty of episodes four, five, and six is we have the point of view of Luke Skywalker because mm-hmm. we're, we're these naive people just new to this world. We don't right. really know what's going on. Right. We're just these small farm town people and just getting an eyeglass look into right. this. Right. And thing. we're just, we're escorted into those stories through 3PO and R2. Right. Because though they kind of, you start with them and Leia and then it takes you through the story and you're introduced to Luke and you're like, whoa, I don't know what's going on. I can relate to Luke because he doesn't know what's going on on and it starts unfolding in front of you and yeah i i felt that way with finn and ray and i i really immediately connected with those characters and i think that's the other thing i really liked about it is that the development of the characters was so strong right um and i really think that gets down to just really really good direction here's one of the main criticisms of the prequels i heard uh-huh. and i forget who did this again we're doing this and didn't research this but it was very impactful they did a man on a street interview and they said hey who are the main characters or who is the single main character for episode four five and six and most people said well luke skywalker right like who's the main character for episodes one two and three uh uh and a lot of people say people said uh i see your point <laughs> I see your point, right? But there's definitely these main characters. It's Ray and Finn for yeah. this, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well developed characters. Yeah. Speaking of characters. You want to just do a character rundown? Yeah, let's run down all the characters and just say what we liked, what we didn't like to maybe. Okay, or... I'll, I'll say a name. You talk about it. Let me know your feelings. All right. We'll start with Finn. I was raised to do one thing, but I've got nothing to fight for. 
I feel like the movie is almost an origin story for Finn because of who he is and where he comes from. What is his origin? His origin is we cut, we see him on this raid with the first order, which is the replacement of the empire. And he can't pull the trigger. He's ordered to kill innocent people right away. Humanizing. And he can't pull the trigger and he's freaking out because he just saw one of his fellow troopers get killed and there's blood on him. And he he's completely humanized and he doesn't even have a name. He gets named Finn by the pilot Poe Dameron. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved him. And then he picked up on that, like, man, I'm just making this stuff up. I'm trying to get out. Like he starts, you know, he, he says that he's with the resistance just to like get away. It was a from. great moment. It was this really fun. He's like, why are you rescuing me? Cause it's the, the right thing to do. He's like, you need a pilot. <laughs> and there was, I need a pilot. There's this immediate spark between him and Poe of like, okay, yeah. Oh, right. Let's just do this. You right. Know, yeah. Let's not blow smoke up each other's bums. Yeah. Let's just realize. Let's just go for it. So we're both trying to get out of here. That's good enough. Let's right. do this. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. Great character. Love the actor. Yeah. Uh, And he's in, they don't give his name, but he's in the opening, you know, and they say he's the most, what is it? The bravest pilot or the boldest pilot, something like that. Something, you know, he's one of the top pilots of Of the the resistance, resistance. right? Which is the rebellion replacement. He's the top pilot and he's on a secret mission to find Luke Skywalker. So, you know, like, oh, this guy's a big deal in the resistance right away before you even see him. And he has the first comedic line, which made me realize my father's (laughs) going to like this movie. Yes. Because Kylo Ren captures him and he has him kneel in front of them and he's staring at and there's one of those moments where they're just staring at each other and finally what does poe say he's like uh so do you talk first or i talk first how how does this work (laughs) (laughs) i loved it because it was this really tense moment and it just totally broke it and it it totally immediately told me oh this guy he's a wisecracker like he's He's not afraid. He's not intimidated by the First Order. Like, he's he's a rebel. He's a real rebel, right. which really played well into who he was for the rest of the movie. So, we did Finn, did Poe. Yes. Let's go uh, Kylo Ren. Nothing will stand in our way. I will finish what you started. I've got so many things to say about Kylo Ren. Wow. Yes. I, oh, I'm, mm. I'm getting like chills just thinking about him because. You've got so much to say. I want to hear you though. You know, I kept seeing pictures of him and, and images of him in the trailer. Which is a weird buildup, right? Because the buildup to the movie is who the hell is Kylo Ren? Right. Like, who is this guy? Is he Luke Skywalker? Right. There's that whole, whole stream of thought that, oh, he's Luke Skywalker. He hates Skywalker. He's, you know, he's, he's he turned killed to the dark Skywalker. Side and, oh, he's such a deep tortured just brooding rage-filled character like so confused yeah there's the line where he's like i feel the pull of the light and you're like who turns away from that like why would you resist that you know that's, right that's so not our nature we feel the pull of the dark and we're trying to turn the other way and it's like completely opposite of how you would think somebody would feel and it's like oh that just, scene with han was just 
really i mean we all knew what was going to happen i i was ready to burst into tears when that was coming I was and like, i knew it was so coming. here's the thing i knew you knew it was going to happen and i'm going to talk about this later on because yeah. i'm going to do a whole little spiel on all right homage or ripoff but that's right. going to be at the end right but you knew going into there for a whole bunch of elemental reasons knowing han is his father here's a confrontation yeah. again father spoiler and yeah han is kylo ren's father right what so, yeah <laughs> They meet on a platform, which has nothing but a pit below. Where are the handrails? Somebody put <laughs> rails on that thing. Oh, my gosh. I was getting, like, anxiety, like, agoraphobic. Because it's a well-known factor, Jeremiah. I saw it in 3D, and it was like... Me too. Oh. In Star Wars... There are bottomless know, pits. Yeah, there's bottomless pits. They have blasters. They have amazing... They have light speed travel. No handrails. No handrails. No handrails. <laughs> no. That's well-known canon. OSHA does not exist right. in the Star Wars galaxy. That's why they're able to do the things they're able to do, because without the hand... I mean, that's the metaphor, man. It's for sure. It's, it's true. all the safety checks that right? are keeping us back. Go wide open. Just I, do I think Hitler said that first. But anyway, so I knew... I We, we knew what was going to happen. How were they going to do it, though? That was the important yeah. thing. You know, when he said... You knew... When he was saying, I'm being torn in two. I know I what I have, have to, to do. do. Will I you help me? I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And he's like, like, no. I'll help you. Like, you're. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then when he saw it, no surprise, but still just as oh, wrenching. Man. Yeah. 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 I heard Harrison Ford had said he thinks they should have killed off Han in the original trilogy. And, right. He said either in episode four or five, he wanted him to be killed off. He didn't want to do anymore. Like just this character needs to die because whatever. And then he came back and said, I'm so glad that they didn't because of how episode seven turned out. Really good stuff. So Kylo Ren, here's my big take on Kylo Ren. Yeah. I love the mystery and the power behind him. And the moment he took off his helmet, the character changed instantly. Instantly. Because no longer was he this Vader type that was scary. Right. He was this hurt, human, vulnerable. Yeah. You empathize with him. Yep. Because yeah. we all have those struggles inside because, of us. Yeah. I I thought the same thing. When he took off the mask, I was almost... There's that moment of disappointment. I was like, like, oh... That yeah. was such a mistake. Why like, would why they take... Why did they do that? But then... As that scene plays out, you're like, oh, oh my, my gosh. goodness. Like, he's the Anakin that Hayden Christensen should have been. You are so right. He was able to do in two to five minutes what Hayden Christensen couldn't do couldn't in do all it, of in his two episode movies. two. Yep. So it was funny because afterwards, I was like, he was so awesome. And my friend's wife was with us. And she's like, I didn't like him. The actor was so ugly. And I was like, that's a point. <laughs> that's exactly why he's so You look awesome. at him like, he's a doofus. Like, he's, I, he's this, right. And he's like, you can tell like the dark side is like, totally tearing him up and it's the 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 force of that putting upon oh it was it, which brings me my to probably my, I, I would say probably my favorite character he's definitely saturated there's so much there to work with yeah. i think there's a lot there with ray i think there's a lot there with finn uh-huh. uh i think poe you know he's fun but i i'm not sure about the depths because he's he's too like every guy he down is the what he is he's he's the bad boy top gun f- i think that's pilot, it exactly. fighter pilot you get it, what you it's see a great it's a great character great but, character but as far as deep no and that's uh, kind of his appeal he's not yeah deep, but yeah Kylo he's Ren, just fun and he's out like there they and, could do anything with him 
in the future episodes. He could come back to the light. He could not. And I have yeah. so many predictions on oh. what might happen. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh. But I want to talk about General Hux. Yes. Played by Dom Hall Gleason, which is an actor that I've really liked. He was in an episode of uh, Black Mirror, which okay. is an amazing series that I recommend anyone watches. It's it's basically what if this was real technology in the future. It's amazing. Okay. He was in, I think it's called About Time. Again, we didn't research this. It's a movie where he can time travel in his own life. But normally that actor plays the most affable, lovable characters. He is like the nice guy that you instantly like. Yeah. uh, Because he's usually bumbling. He's English and uh, he's scrawny and thin and he's a ginger he was in the movie ex machina as well okay and he's basically like the jimmy stewart equivalent but he's like jimmy stewart meets something weaker and milder you hire jimmy stewart if you wanted your audience to instantly like him right and here he is in a role as general hux and he was angry yes and power hungry yes i guess to parallel this with like episode four kylo ren is kind of the vader figure mm-hmm. he's the guy in the empire who's kind of running things and he's wearing a mask wearing with black. the force you know he's like the the sith lord and general hux is kind of like the grand moff tarkin he's the military leader of the empire and he's he's kind of running things uh, yeah and but he was so angry like i i guess that's like the way i would describe that character he's just so angry at everything and he's trying to complete these missions and i gotta do this i gotta do that why can't we, let's activate this weapon and blah, blah, you know and just right. totally impatient too like let's do this yeah. but that was one of my favorite parts of the movie favorite relationships was the relationship between general hux and kylo ren where they're competing yes total competition yes. they're sizing each other up right totally competing right. like rival siblings for supreme leader snoke supreme leader snoke if there's a character that i thought they might have fallen a little short with supreme leader snoke it's snoke uh played by andy circus who we all know is motion capture capture guru Gollum. and planet of the apes he's yeah. caesar and planet of the apes yeah he's i mean he's just done a, a ton of stuff out there i like andy circus i think he gave a good performance i think the character just the the character itself looked a little too fake like we we talked about this too just cgi little pra- cgi in a movie full of practical effects yes he like was the idea that bb-8 is an actual robot that they remote is control mind-blowing exactly right, right. he's just too cgi he looked Almost a bit Gollum-ish. Yeah. A friend of mine said he looked a lot like Voldemort. Yeah. From the Harry Potter series. And I mean, I think it's a cool idea. He's he's like the emperor figure. Mm-hmm. He's training Kylo Ren in the ways of the dark side. And there's, I'm sure there's this great story of who he is and where One of my predictions from. is that yeah. he's actually really short because that was a hollow I projection. I too. Yeah. 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 He's actually really short because the hollow projection of him being just giant three and stories tall. Big very relieved when he disappeared as a hologram because i was like is this a giant right that's kind of stupid yeah and then he disappeared i was like okay so i really like that moment because you're like oh he's probably compensating he's forcing them to look because realistically he could just be a little thing on the table right so it's interesting that there's this entire chamber just dedicated to talking his hologram which is very emperor palpatine-ish where he would be this big hologram like an empire right yeah. so 
But here's my question is, would he have been better if it was just a voice or a faceless yeah. person? Where Who something is this? Something shrouded, something more, yeah, a little or would more that mysterious. Be, there's the whole homage versus right, there's definitely, rip off. Definitely parallels to I've got a list. Four. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I could just go through it because this is one thing the haters are going to say rip off, but the lovers are going to say, oh, it's a callback, an homage, right, or homage, right. however you want to pronounce it, right. to the originals. Yeah. We haven't talked about Ray. Who are you? I'm no one. Ray. Ray's character just kind of jumps out at you immediately she's tough she's on her own on this desert planet which is not Tatooine thank mm-hmm. you Jakku right Jakku yes she was one of those characters again where you felt like oh I've got her figured out in the first 90 seconds two minutes you you get who she is as a person now more keeps getting revealed and there's certainly more to her that we're going to find out right but you get a sense of who her personality is what this life of her on her own on this planet has been you know she's scavenging parts from old imperial walkers and star destroyers so that she can go and get food like that's She's just doing that to survive. This is her life. That's her life. And then you find out she's waiting for her family to come back because her family apparently abandoned her there. You don't know if they were taken, if they were abandoned. Until later on, yeah. it showed in a flash where she, w- her family was being ripped from her when she was just a little, little girl. Right. Right. So there's this traumatic thing that happened in her past that's revealed. Played very well by Daisy Ridley. I love the the scenes where her and Finn are running. She's like, why? I can run without you holding my hand. Humor again. You know, just there's these funny this. things. Yeah. And then they turn that around when he was on the ground and she hands his her hand to him and he takes it and they go like it was just this back and forth between the right. two already like right scene one with them together. Right. So that was really fun. Obviously super strong character. Yeah. Super independent. Yeah. But right away they have what they call killing dog moments which this movie was full of. <laughs> so what are the killing dog moments are these instances where you basically spoon feed the audience what this character is like because what they've done in these situations. For instance, they called the dog killing moments because classically, if you want your audience to instantly know who a character is, you have them either kill a dog or you have them save a dog's life. Right. House of Cards with Kevin Spacey did Uh a very classic mix in this because like the first episode opening up, there's a dog that's dying Uh and he decides he has to put the dog out of its misery because its life is basically ruined and mangled. And that defines his character. In this one, for Finn, it was not shooting the innocent villagers basically and for her it definitely was the bb-8 moment like first when she helped him that was really nice where she saved him from being just stolen from the one guy but also when she was offered all the food she could need because she was getting a quarter and a half and then he offered her 60 60 portions right yeah he was kind of giving her these little packets of whatever that turned into bread and stuff which was really cool effect right uh yeah so she turned down instead of getting quarter at a time and that's what she's living for for right that's her existence and now we know wait she doesn't care about that so now there's something bigger like she she felt that there was something right about helping right which is kind of a a playoff of Finn saying, "Oh, it's the right, or yeah, it's the Finn's right saying, thing to it's do. The right thing to do. You right. need a pilot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that was that kill the dog moment. So it really defined her right then and there. And then, of course, there's the kill the dog moments. So Finn wanting to run away, just like right. Han Solo wanted right. to run away. But the 
big defining moment for Finn was he didn't care what was going on. He just knew he wanted to save Rey. Yeah. And the cool thing about those characters that I loved about this movie, they are each other's family instantly because she doesn't have a family. Finn doesn't have a family. Right, right. They've got no one and they instantly bonded holding hands at first. And yep. the thing they have in common is they just want to help. Right. They want to do what's right. They want to get away. They, they get away. Save just and, yeah. Make sure, save BB-8, get away, you know, make sure, oh, yeah. I like this person, this person I've connected to. So all that matters was got to save. Gotta right. Save. He, see, he sees her in trouble. He's got to go save her. We also, this is another big spoiler, but we find out that she is force adept. Right. Which we never knew anything of in the trailers. Because right. Because you always see Finn holding the lightsaber. Lightsaber. I'll go with predictions. I think he has some force in him as well. Hence, I do too. Ken, Kylo Ren <laughs> noticing him right away. Yeah, yeah. But we found out that she's force adept. And in a way, I didn't think it was possible. First thing she does is force mind control. That's upper level stuff, man. Yeah, that's like you don't learn that until you're like way developed, which is interesting to see how powerful she is because she's already besting Kylo Ren, who's been trained in the force. Right. By Luke and by Snoke. Mm -hmm. And here she is just discovering her power and she's already besting him and blocking him from her mind. And she reads his mind. Great moment there. That, that was another great, especially even says grandfather. Doesn't she? Um, yeah, she does. We got so many background things going on. It's amazing. It it was empty. We got juggling, uh, little people (laughs) over here too. It's just, we're trying to keep them quiet. Yeah. When she, when she mentions the grandfather and I was like, Oh, like that was just a great, great scene. Great moment. And even of course, classically, she bests him again with the force pull of the lightsaber. She's getting the lightsaber. Yeah. So really, really cool stuff. And I'm really excited to see where her character goes. Who else do we have left? There's Gwendolyn Christie. Captain Phasma, I thought, was very secondary, very on the outskirts of the storyline. But some fun callbacks between her and Finn towards the end of, of all of that. Yeah, right now I'm trying to look up Oh, yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg, in the making, he's like, all of the moments of my acting have led up to this. Yeah, yeah. And then his character is Unkar Plutt, which is... Right. Who was that? Uh, I think that was the traitor that w- the traitor like D uh, like, that yeah, was yeah, giving yeah. her the yeah, right. portions. It's amazing that Simon Pegg, this actor who's pretty famous and has a huge following all of himself, was comedic. just happy to have this small bit part. <laughs> ridiculous in Star Wars, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. so awesome. What other characters? Uh, so I guess maybe moving on to some of the classic characters han solo general leia general leia yeah chewbacca so maybe save han solo just for the very end of the characters so chewie i thought was great there was some really funny moments when chewie gets shot in the arm right right when we first uh first see him there's this whole scene on they've got this new freighter and mm-hmm. they confiscate the millennium falcon again which was a fun scene when we first saw the, the millennium falcon is it called the bowcaster is that what it's called his bowcaster it yes. was like the first time han after all all these years it actually shot it he's his, like whoa and there's this whole thing throughout the movie of him i really like this thing like he keeps on wanting to use <laughs> he's always to use it bowcaster like, instead what, of his... what was i doing all these years <laughs> uh but you know chewy gets shot in the arm and then the medic is fixing him up and he's another growling something she's like 
Oh yes. Yeah, you're oh, very you must be very total school <laughs> schoolyard nurse right? patching you up, making you feel better. Yeah, just, it was so funny. This giant seven foot six Wookiee right. just being consoled by this this nurse of uh the resistance. So really, Here, really fun part. Here's a weird itch that wasn't scratched, and this is just my own thing, and I know I'm probably on my own here. Yeah. Chewie gets pissed because Han dies. Right. I thought there'd be more. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I think, well, beyond that, I think in my mind, there would have been more of a freak out because he was like, and so he hit the detonate button. He's shooting stormtroopers. Yeah. But we've never seen Chewie. Like full out rage. We've never actually seen a strength that's always been referenced. Yeah. I imagine him as graphic as this may seem, actually ripping the arms off of a stormtrooper or crushing, like going just barehanded. Just going showing people. Yeah. But he never, he never did. He didn't. And which I was, I'm not sure if I'm alone with that. I was like, uh oh, Chewie's gonna get pissed because yeah, that was one of the things. I, like, Chewie. I almost felt like he was going to, but I, I understand because of the setting, like there wasn't a lot of time. There's for that no because hand-to-hand it was, combat anyway. It was very, you know, last minute. We got to get this thing blown up. Blah, 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 Did Chewie even live? Because he hit that detonate button when right. he was I mean, still we, like. We felt like maybe he didn't make it, you know. Right. Um, which that was the theory that a lot of people were putting out was that Chewie was going to die in episode seven. And it turned out to be even worse than that. So General Leia. A little short for a stormtrooper. Huh? Not so much a big part. No. I mean, it's um, Carrie Fisher. And to be honest, Carrie Fisher has had her struggles in her yes, personal life. Yes. And I'm glad they brought her back. But her, the cheese has thoroughly slid off the cracker there. <laughs> I, I love her interviews because of that. Right. And I love Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Uh, not just dropped, because she was Princess Leia, but because of who she is. She dropped a, a lot of obscenities on the red carpet. I don't know if you saw that video. I haven't seen that video. There either. was a, a live stream going on and they had her and uh, Oscar Isaac interview each other they're like oh why don't you guys just here's the cards you know you do it and she just started swearing like a sailor at the end of it and they're like okay that just happened So the one thing is, it's really hard to pull Carrie Fisher away from that. So when yeah. I see General Leia, I see, see Carrie, yeah. Carrie Fisher yeah. trying to reprise a role. I thought the character of Leia was really interesting. She's called a general now. She's still been leading the resistance. She's very torn because her son is now her enemy. So there's a, that deep complexity and her and Han have this tension because... Which it was really interesting. I really liked that dynamic between the two because yeah. they just reference fighting but right away there was nothing but love so when they got together it wasn't like you dirty old son of a you left me for your right it wasn't like oh, it's good to see you again yeah. yeah we both had a handle it our own way there was nothing but understanding there yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting is that I, unconditional love and i don't think anybody wanted to see han and leia fight i didn't want to see them mad at each other there was a mutual pain that they shared and they they both realized we had to get through that the, the way we each had to get through that. So it was really interesting. So I think she did a good job. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't in it that much. No. But uh, she definitely was General Leia doing her thing and once it was, again. And it, it definitely was important to the story that yeah. she was in it. Yeah. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. No. It's not true. That's impossible. If there was 
one scene that simmered a little bit too long. It was at the end with Luke. Yeah. And there's always that tension there, too. That helicopter shot. Yeah, the helicopter shot, unnecessary. Yeah. I thought, because especially... It it, looked cool in 3D, but... But it looked like a helicopter shot. It took me out of it. And also, as weird as it seemed, it made him seem really small compared to her because of the angle. Yeah. I know I'm nitpicking here. Yeah. But also, just seeing him reveal his face, and here's Mark Hamill having to reprise not the Luke Skywalker that we knew, yeah, but the battle-ridden, disheartened because his star student killed all his other students, supposedly, which we haven't seen happen. But yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a really powerful moment. And he has to do all the acting without saying a word. And what I got from his face was not, oh, there's my lightsaber, but I don't... I'm not sure. I don't want to. No, no, no. Reluctance is basically what I saw. Maybe even resentment. Yeah, I felt there was some some reluctance there, but there was definitely, it was just that moment of my past just caught up with me. Yeah. You know, it was, okay, what do I do with this? This is going to really play into our predictions because I have a pretty strong (laughs) out there prediction. It's more of what I'd like to see. Sure, sure. All right, so Han Solo. I'm Solo. I'm Han Solo. Yeah, Han Solo. Man, I just love, and I don't remember the name of those aliens, but they were so Cthulhu-based, nothing but teeth and tentacles. Thars or whatever they were called. So good. See, (laughs) I would say that was probably the scene I could have done without, like take it or or leave it. I get why it was there, and, you know, it it totally puts you back in the life of Han Solo. Yeah, it was was the Han Han Solo revival. Right, right. It's just like, oh, it's still Han. He stole yeah. to his old antics. Yeah. What has he gotten into this time? But oh, the, it's again the big whole, trouble. The feel of that almost beckoned back to like a prequel feel, like because it was so CGI. It was well, it was that, and just oh, these guys are chasing me, and these guys are chasing me, and you know, like oh, these things got loose, and now it's all chaotic, and yeah, I will say, you know, what I'm saying I've, one complaint I'll have, and I don't want to interrupt you too much. Yeah, no, go ahead. Was the sense of mapping wasn't there. For instance, right. they're like, all over the place. Where like, are where, they? What's yeah. going on? But the biggest, biggest mistake I think they made with that was Finn's looking for Ray. Where the hell's Ray? And then Han's gesturing to him and they look and she's across this pit. And then literally 10 seconds later, they're like, hey, and they're bumping yeah, into her. Yeah. Like, Is there no security in this place whatsoever? <laughs> Nobody saw that? Like, like yeah. they can just get from one side of this chasm to the other side without any security doors or yeah, security person. Yeah. Now our security cameras. What is going on here? Yeah, that was a bit of a continuity thing. But yeah. I, I can live with that. Yeah, but you didn't like that scene. Well, that was the scene at the end when they were on the base. This was the scene in... Yeah, when I'm yeah, saying this yeah, yeah, scene yeah, yeah, is yeah. we're going back to okay, yeah, on the so Millennium Falcon store ship. I don't know. So they the, have... They have that big freighter that freighter. they have. That we'll just call it the freighter. Now, yeah. And it actually is big enough to capture... The Millennium Falcon. And the two rival gangs that show up because Han owes one a bunch of money and the other a bunch of money. He's got these big dangerous aliens that he's taking to someone else. Which I guess is another character that will probably come back is the leader of the one Right, gang. because he didn't die. He's like the only one that maybe yeah. there was a couple others that didn't. But Yeah, he all... didn't die and he reported that Han Solo has yes. the BB-8 yes. droid to the so, First Order. Uh, to move on with Han Solo, it was so fun to see Han Solo again. As we've already said, Han Solo dies. What? I know. Plot and spoiler. If there was a death for him to die on screen, 
I think this was it. I didn't want to see him get shot by some bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see him, you know, be destroyed by Job of the Hut or thrown into a, a pit, Sarlacc pit. Sarlacc pit or get eaten by Rancor. It played into the depth of who Han Solo really is. Because in the end, Han Solo always came back. He always helped. He always did the right thing. Right. And he was trying to do the right thing. And he died for it. Not just for this cause or this resistance, but for his family, for his son. He was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to redeem him. There was and there was that there. unconditional love, too, because when he died, yeah, he, his facial expression never changed never, to betrayal. Right. He never felt, it was never like he was angry. He was never, he was just, he was saddened and he, he expressed love through his last dying moments. I just, I thought it was fantastic. It's and getting leading, me riled up thinking about it right now. And leading up to it, he was fun, fun Han Solo. Right. You know, when he's asking Finn, what did you do when you were here? I was in sanitation. He's like, sanitation? Like, he just goes off <laughs> he on him. Like, <laughs> like, wily old scoundrel right. Han Solo. It was just great. Which uh, was one of the complaints one of my friends had. Okay. One of my friends, Emerson, said, maybe if they spent a little bit more money on training stormtroopers how to shoot instead of building another Death Star, <laughs> they would do much greater things. And the... <laughs> I have to say, though, stormtroopers killed people in this one. They did. Which may be the first time. The other thing is... Aside from Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. The other thing they said was, why would Finn, who's such a crack shot, be put into sanitation? It was just interesting that that would happen. I my rebuttal to that would be maybe he became a better shot, you know, because he was eventually deployed into right. being a stormtrooper, and there might be that force thing happening. Yeah, with I would agree. I would that agree that he can now shoot like he's force, yeah. his senses are attuned now. I think that's exactly that right. would be my. He's just naturally better rebuttal. because he's more in tune. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of complaint, yes, you ready for the list? Now that we're done with characters. Continued in part two, second half. Thanks. I'm so lonely.